As we continue this morning, we've been in a series. We have been walking through for the past few weeks this idea of identity. And we've been talking about that our identity is made up of our hearts and our souls and our minds. We've talked about each of those, how those three realities sort of present this kind of like overarching reality of who we are as people. And we looked at a conversation where Jesus talks about how that fullness of who we are, heart, soul, and mind, that from those three capacities of who we are, we are to love God with the fullness of all of that. So we came to this conversation that Jesus had, and as I talked about the past couple weeks, in the different Gospels, we have different moments that somebody comes to Jesus with this question. It's, and I love it because it's sort of a question and answer time with Jesus is kind of how I think about this mentality. And sometimes those conversations, the Gospels present them as someone coming to Jesus and sort of trying to uh, catch him, not knowing how to answer. Sometimes it seems like it's, a, it's an actual ask of, Jesus, I'm, I'm really wondering you know, here, what, what is the greatest commandment? What does it look like to love God with, with everything? How, how do I do that? And we came to this passage, and the one that we're looking at specifically, again, it's in different Gospels. The one we came to is in Matthew. It's in Matthew chapter 22, and this is what we read. I just love this. This person comes to Jesus. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now let's pause a second because I I do feel like sometimes we get mixed up a little bit. We sort of uh, think about things and we, and I said this um, the past couple weeks, I've come back to this several times of, you know, what does Jesus want from me? What am I supposed to do? And I think that's what this question really is. What is the essence? What, what am I supposed to do with my life? And there's so many things that we associate as Christianity that we think we're supposed to do. Uh, the worst of that is, we've talked about this, the, the worst of it is when we think of ourselves as some kind of guard or sentry stationed at the entrance to the kingdom of God, deciding who's in and who's out. And that's probably the worst thing that we can be. But sometimes we think of ourselves as, you know, uh, different positions or places that we're supposed to be. We talked about one week in the past couple series that we've done about being the person who's climbing this mountain, trying to do all the right things to get to God and get accepted by him. We learn that's not really what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to accept his love and his grace and his mercy in our lives. So as a response to that, as a response to his goodness, as a response to the good news of Jesus, what am I supposed to do? Well, if I I could boil it down and I could live all this out, how do I live it out? And that's the question. Jesus, what is the most important? What matters here? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. Now, something we talk about here at Southeast is context matters. So, you know, we can't just read a passage like that and put it on a frame and put it on a wall and say, all right, I got to figure it out. Because we know context is so important. In the youth group, they've been talking about context. This is why I love what we're doing with the kids, is we've been doing this series about context matters. And so we actually had them pick out some of the weirdest passages. Man, I was in heaven last week with these kids. I said, pick the weirdest passages you could possibly find. I said, guys, I'm going to ask you to avoid Song of Solomon, but everything else is you can, you can go for it. Um, but I want you just to, you can read the weirdest passages. And then what we did, we sat. This is so cool. We sat and we, and we looked stuff up. We took some study Bibles and we looked at what, where, who was that written to? Why was that written? And we asked questions, well, why, why would that be written to these people? And what do you think it means? And, and 
is it possible that it could mean something in our lives today? I love that the curriculum we use actually says sometimes you come to a passage and you go, well, it doesn't really apply to my life, and that's okay. Wow, that's, that's amazing, right? So we taught them this idea that read the scriptures because there are times that you'll find depth and understanding and richness in this, and sometimes you have to really dig into it and find it. I thought, what a great lesson for them. Because how many of us have tried to read scripture, and you get to some weird part, and you go, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand what that's even about. Now, these kids have a leg up. They have an opportunity now to understand this. So context matters. Context is important for all of us. We talk about this all the time. Context of a verse, it helps us avoid misunderstandings. It helps us uh, discover significant depth we might have well missed. And that's what's true about this passage. This question and answer moment is more than just Jesus saying, well, love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And if you just put that on a plaque somewhere in your house and think about that every morning, you'll have it figured out. It's deeper than that. There's, a, there's something rich and so, so significant going on here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So context-wise, we said, okay, we got to look at these words. What does Jesus mean by heart? What does Jesus mean by soul? What does Jesus mean by mind? Because our preconceived notions of this, especially, think about this, guys, 2,000 years after Jesus spoke these words, Let's remember, we are 2,000 years away from these words, so sometimes we have to sit back and go, well, what do these words mean to Jesus? What did it mean in that context of that time? And how have our preconceived notions of these things, how does that color these words to mean something different than what Jesus was talking about? Well, here's what's really amazing, and we talked about this, is that this actually goes back hundreds of years before even Jesus. Jesus didn't just make this up. It's not just question and answer time, and he says, well, here's what I think. Jesus actually goes to an ancient prayer, written hundreds of years before even Jesus was born. He goes to a prayer that this man would have known, a prayer that Jesus would have learned as a student. He would have understood these words. And so he comes to these words, he he quotes this, and we find this quote in Deuteronomy, and we find this significant meaning here. So back in Deuteronomy, we're going way back, hundreds of years before Jesus, to these words that were spoken, given to the people to think about and live with. And these are the words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, traditionally, we attribute these to the words of Moses speaking to a group of people, helping them understand now that you have been rescued from slavery in Egypt, now that you have been made new as a people, Here is what you are called to do. Here is how you're going to live it out as people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So Jesus really answers the same. Well, what am I supposed to do? If I'm following you, if I'm listening to your ways, what do you expect of me? Well, now that you have been rescued, now that you have been saved, go and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So we began, we looked at this word heart, the translation of the Hebrew word lavav. And again, as a reminder, this, the, the book of Deuteronomy was written in Hebrew, so we have to go back to the language. It often helps us. And we understood the way that they talked about it, it wasn't just like heart. It wasn't just armed, like um, wearing your heart on your sleeve idea. It wasn't just, you know, how I feel. 
The word lavav had so much more into it. It talked about this idea of the choices we make because for the Hebrew people, for the Israelites, the, the, the idea of lavav was not just heart but was mind. It was connected. You made decisions in your heart. You made choices with your heart. So we talked about that the word heart then, he's saying what rules your heart? What rules the choices you make? What rules your decisions? Are you ruled by things like fear? Are you ruled by things like passion or sin? And we know if we follow those things, that's going to lead to a lot of destructive behavior. Or do we allow Jesus and his grace and his mercy to rule our hearts? I want you to think about that. What would it look like for God to rule my life with grace and mercy and goodness and love? See, if Jesus rules my heart, the decisions that I make come out of serving Jesus, but they also come out of who Jesus is. If I'm going to make the choices for my life, if I'm going to make the decisions in my life, I'm going to make some pretty awful decisions because I'm going to make decisions, the things that I want, my passions, my desires, the hopes that I have. I want to be, my life to be ruled by Jesus because I need that grace and that mercy to rule my heart because without Jesus, I'm a mess. I would think the same is true of most of us. Without Jesus, we're a mess. Without Jesus, the person we were before Jesus, I don't want to be that person. I want to be who Jesus is creating me to be. So love the Lord with all your heart. Let him rule in our hearts the grace and mercy, truth, and life and peace. Then last week we came to soul, and we said soul is this tricky word because oftentimes we think of soul as maybe a ghost some kind of disembodied reality that continues beyond us, right? We've been conditioned to think about this in our culture. We think of our souls as going off and being with Jesus after we die. But what we find out that Jesus is really talking about is that loving God with our souls is the wholeness of our being. And we talked about this word nephesh, and it's this here and now. So it isn't about going off and being somewhere after I die, my soul going out and being with Jesus. It's my soul being energized, my soul, my whole body, my life, the fullness of me, having Jesus here and now. So it's not going out and being with Jesus someday. It's Jesus being with me today. That's amazing. Like that, that's incredible to think about. And this is why the resurrection matters. Because Jesus is alive. And Jesus is present and Jesus is a reality in your life today. That's incredible. So he says, so, so, so love God with all of the wholeness today. I don't wake up, I don't wake up in the morning and go, man, I can't wait to be there. I, this is cool. I had a conversation with my neighbor. He was out watering and uh, he's got this long, like, stretch of road. And so this tree had fallen, and he was planting this grass, and he couldn't get his hose out there. So he literally has to take a watering can. You know. And he, all the way back to the house, you know, and he's coming back and forth. And I thought, man, you want a hose? I'll just run a hose over, man. I can help you out here, you know. But it, he, he said, nope, nope. You know, I know that I'm doing it right. And I was like, it's watering, Okay. And, uh, but anyways, we're talking, and he said he was, he serves in, in these um, funerals, particularly folks who served in the military, and so he was serving one morning, and he was telling me the story, and it was, it was beautiful, it was fine, he said he was at this cemetery, and he said there was kind of mist hanging, and he said, you know, I was just thinking, 
just about the day that Jesus comes back and, you know, the dead rise and I join them and, you know, we go and be with Jesus. And I thought, well, that's, that's beautiful, right? And I didn't want to ruin his moment and, like, poo-poo on his moment there and be like, well, actually, you know, don't be that guy. But I went home and I, I thought about that a little bit and I thought, yeah, but you know what? <laughs> I don't have to wait to be with Jesus. That's really pretty. That's beautiful. Like, that's awesome. I don't want to, like, I don't want to live a life waiting. I got Jesus right now. That's pretty cool. So today we continue on. So love the Lord your God with your heart. Love the Lord your God with your soul, the fullness of everything you are. And then we come to the final words that we're looking at in this question answer moment. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your mind. Now, if you stop here for a minute, I told you context matters. What we read matters, right? And we remember that Jesus is quoting a prayer in Deuteronomy, right? But then if I read what Jesus said, and now I'm going to go back to the book of Deuteronomy and read what he says, we should, for a couple of bit, we should go, wait a minute, because here is how Deuteronomy says it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with your heart and your soul and your mind. And Moses said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And I read this and I went, wait a minute. If Jesus is perfect, he can't misquote people. But clearly, Jesus misquoted. Because... Jesus used the word mind in his prayer in the book of Matthew. And we look at the prayer of Deuteronomy, we find the word strength. So then I go, okay, well, it can't be Jesus. Maybe it's Matthew. Maybe Matthew screwed up and he was like, I heard strength. And somebody's like, no, he said mind. No, he didn't say mind. He had to have said strength. He can't mess it. Are you sure? You know, and they're having this conversation. They're like sitting around. Maybe some translator was writing down and he was like, oh, I don't like the word mind. I don't like strength. That feels weird. You know, it kind of has like this whole like army kind of, let's put mind instead. That seems better. So I don't know. Like, I don't know what happened, but it seems like there's a mistake here. Did the author lose something in translation? Did Jesus misquote the prayer? Oh, that's a dangerous question, right? Did Jesus purposely go, well, Moses really didn't know what he was talking about, so let me just change that last one, and I'm just going to take this prayer we've been saying for hundreds of years, and I'm just going to throw it out and restart it. Now, Jesus has been known to do that a little bit. So what's he doing? See, these are the kind of questions we should ask. These are the sort of dangerous questions we should ask. Because sometimes, this is what's cool, and this is what we're telling our students, sometimes you discover places where you go, well, that doesn't match up. That doesn't make sense. Why is that like that? Well, maybe you should dig into it a little bit more, see what's happening there. But that's not likely what's happening here. It doesn't seem like this is a mistake, it doesn't seem like this is a mistranslation. It doesn't, when we really begin to look at this, seem like Jesus was maybe twisting and changing and shifting something here. And we find that when we get back into the depth of what's happening here. See, in part of this, I think part of what happens, again, this is culture, this is context, right? When I say the word mind, and I say the word strength, or when I read mind or strength, I think of different things. 
right? I think of different things. Justin and I were just having a conversation about Star Wars. When I think of mind, I think of Yoda sitting back, chilling, saying, you know, really deep things backwards, right? He's got a great mind. When I think of strength, right, I think of a Jedi fight pulling out the lightsaber and going to town, right? Like, that's, like, they, they bring mind and strength together, right? Like, I, that's what I sort of think of. Now, if you're not a Star Wars person, that's fine, Justin, I still love you, and you're okay. Um, but maybe, maybe for you, maybe it's cartoons. So we watch a lot of Phineas and Ferb in our house. You guys watch Phineas and Ferb? I just found out Phineas and Ferb, they're bringing two more seasons. Um, yes, that's awesome, right? So Phineas and Ferb are two stepbrothers. They do everything together. They build all kinds of crazy stuff, and they have a really great time doing it. And it's just, it's an amazing show. But there's two characters that always come in with Phineas and Ferb on their adventures, and that is Buford and Baljeet. So it's these two guys. Now, in some kind of weird Stockholm Syndrome kind of situation going on here, Buford and Baljeet are sort of like best friends, even though Buford is Baljeet's bully. And you would think, like, it, it's, it's really, it kind of gets kind of creepy sometimes, because they kind of play into that. Like, there are episodes where, like, he's not his bully, and they, like, miss each other. And I'm like, this is kind of, I don't know what we're teaching our kids here. But, but that aside, Buford and Baljeet represent strength, right? Sorry, strength <laughs> and mind. Baljeet's brilliant. He, he's, he's a math nerd. He understands, he could, he could, he's like an encyclopedia. Buford all the time is, he talks about being dumb, but he's the brute strength. And this is culturally how we think about mind and strength. We think about this idea of polar opposites, that mind and strength can't belong in the same conversation unless they're represented by two different people. But in the Hebrew mindset and in the Hebrew language, mind and strength actually belong together. They're not separate concepts. These are two things that can go together. And we find that when we dig in to the text. So when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your mind, and the book of Deuteronomy says, love the Lord your God with all your strength, we're actually invited to a dichotomy of mind and strength, to a deeper understanding that challenges how we understand our lives and what it means to love God with our minds. I had a professor in college. He used to say that what you do is, if you want to find truth, if you really want to wrestle with it, you grab one side of the altar over here, because the altars used to have these big horns, these big things. He goes, you grab one side over here and one side over here, and he said, and you hang on for dear life. And he's like, somewhere in the middle is where it's found. That's hard for us, man. We like this or that. We want a straight answer. We wrestle when there's a dichotomy. We wrestle when two things that seem to be polar opposites are coming together and fusing. But that's oftentimes the ancient world. The answer typically in the ancient world isn't yes or no. It's yes and yes. That's weird. Love the Lord of God with all your mind. Yes. Love the Lord of God with all your strength. Yes. Yes. And the reason for this is, <laughs> this is so cool. The word in the Hebrew 
that gets translated strength in Deuteronomy is the word maod. Now, what's fascinating about this word is it's not a noun. It's not a word noun like soul. It's not a word noun like heart. It's actually an adverb. Now, I could call our, uh, our resident English uh, teacher forward to talk about adverbs, but I'll do my ve- best to discuss adverbs here. And don't fall asleep on me because this is really important for us to talk about. But examples of adverbs, rather than defining, examples of adverb are quickly, right? Sadly, carefully. A lot of the end in L-L-Y words are adverbs, right? So they modify a verb, or they even modify another adverb, right? Is that right? Yeah, right? See? Okay. So another adverb that we use is very, right? We use the word very. And that is the meaning of the word maod. Now think about this. (laughs) Just think about this for a second. So love the Lord your God with all your very. That doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, but it does make sense when we look at the scriptures. How is it used by people? So in the scriptures, we find that someone is mayod angry or mayod sad or they're mayod happy. We see this in creation in Genesis 1.31. God saw that all he had made, it tells us verses before this, and it was what? It was good. And then God says it was what? Very good. So God says, I've created, and it is good. And then he says, and what I have created is mayod good. So try it with me. Okay. It is very, it is good. It is good. It is mayod good. Right? Does that make sense? So it's mayod good. So we see this in initial response creation. It was good. Now it is mayod good. Now, if we keep looking at the Hebrew, we find that people even use mayod to describe things, and they put mayod together. So something can be mayod mayod. And you think, well, we don't do that. Yes, we do. Something is really awesome or something is really, really awesome. Something is very good or it is very, very good, right? You've done this before, right? You're like, oh, that's a, that was a great concert. It was a really good concert. No, it was a really, really, no, it was a really, really, really good concert. That burrito that I had, Man, that thing was very, very good. It's still good. Like, it's a good burrito. It's still good, like, two days later good. Like, that's good burrito. It is very, 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 it's mayode. Now, I want you to use this. I told you, I taught you these words because I want us to go off and use them. I talked about using the word nefesh, like the nefesh. Right now, I want us to think about mayode. I want you to go to, to lunch, and I want you to be like, that is mayode, mayode good right there. Like, now you're getting what is going on here. So we do this, really, really important. So now, now here's the question. Now we have the context. What do we do with the context? What do we do with this, and how does this apply to our lives? So let's go back to the prayer that Jesus quoted in Deuteronomy, and let's see what he says. Love the Lord your God with all your mayod. Love the Lord your God, it gets translated here, with all your strength. So the question is, now do we look at it and we say, okay, so the English translators put strength. Why did they do that? Should we just put with your very, very muchness? Now that you asked, I think the answer is yes. I think this would make a lot more sense if we would just translate, love the Lord your God with all your very muchness. We are to love God with our hearts, the emotional, spiritual, and mental center of our lives. 
We're to love God with our souls, the very depth of our being, seeing that he supplies for every physical and spiritual need. And we are to love God with our very muchness, which means all that which comes our way. Love God with your very muchness. We see this coming together in another version of this question and answer. See, I told you this is fascinating. We're going to compare the versions, right? In the book of Mark, we see the same question and answer moment with Jesus. One of the teachers of the law came, heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked of him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And we can look at it and be like, see, Matthew misquoted. Mark had it right the first time. He has mind and strength. He knows what he's doing. No, it's just that they had a different understanding of how to put these words together because it's hard. It's complicated. Jesus is speaking Aramaic. They're, trying to tra- they're translating this stuff, man, from Hebrew to Aramaic to Greek to English to Latin. Throw that in there. So this, this is all translation. How do you put together a concept of loving God with your very muchness? And how do you do it well? So some people throughout the years, some scholars, some ancient scholars have translated it, Mayotta's power. Love God with all of your power. Some people translated throughout the, 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 the years, they've translated it as strength. It's found in the Greek word dunamis. Other translators, and hey, don't blame me for that. I'm just telling you. Other people translated it as the word money. Because your money represents especially, man, this, this really works well in our culture. Again, it was the ancient culture that translated as money. Why did they translate it as money? Because for them, your money represented your strength and your power. And they're right. I can go do all kinds of things with my money that are symbols of weakness. You ever seen a middle-aged man driving a red firebird? That is not strength, my friends. That is hair loss is what's happening there. If that hits home, I'm sorry, but it's true. And we all do this. We all have a tendency to do things with our money that maybe it makes us feel good, but is it really making impact and difference? See, we have an ability to make an influence. We have an ability to use things in ways of power and strength. They saw the connection between money and our ability to make decisions and impact with it. Still others, again, just there are a lot of translations. Others used it as mind. Well, think about this. This makes sense for the Romans. Their mind was important. The, the Greeks and the Romans loved their philosophers. They loved to think. They loved to understand these things, right? We, we get this too. This makes sense in our context and our culture just as well. We are thinking people, most of us, right? Loving God with my mind. I'm going to think of process. In fact, I'm not just going to make quick decisions. I'm not just going to do whatever feels good. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to use the greatest question ever that we've learned. In light of my past experience, my present circumstances, my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Because we stop, we think, we use our minds because I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing is honoring God with my whole life. I don't want to misstep. I don't want to make a mistake about it. Now, in the book of Romans, an early church leader, Paul, we find something that sounds super familiar to this. It sounds, and it's actually super helpful. 
in Romans 12, he says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And I think in some ways, I'm, I'm taking this a little bit out, I think in some ways you can make a case that Paul is talking here, loving God with your heart and your soul, loving God with the essence of your life. Give your life as a holy and pleasing offering to God. And then he goes on. Do not conform then to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect will. As I was thinking about this, as I wrote some notes about this, I, I wrote this sentence, and I, I, I'm going to come back to this. It's so easy to get caught up in the waves of what Paul calls the patterns of this world. Right? I need this. I want this. I'm supposed to go do this. I mean, we see teenagers with this all the time, right? Mom, I want to go do this because I want to be unique and different and everybody else is doing it. What? But, that's, but we do the same thing as adults. Did you guys know that uh, John got a black stone? Well, I need a black stone now, right? This is what happens. Am I wrong? I just had a friend tell me, he was like, I, I need to go guitar shopping. He's like, do you want to go to the guitar store? I was like, I do. And he's like, no, I don't want to go to the guitar store. I want to go to Fort Wayne to the big guitar store. Said, oh, you do? He said, yeah, but I need to prepare my wife. I've got to get the money together because I'm leaving with something. And I was like, brother, they have scents that they put in there to do that to you. You know, like it's lighting. Like you don't have to be, but that's what's happening here. Paul says, don't get caught up by the patterns of this world. Don't, don't get caught up in what you think everybody thinks you should be doing or what you feel like you want to do. It's that going along with everything. And hear me on this. It's that going along with everything that leads us to wake up one day and wonder, what in the world did I do with my life? Now, I know that sounds morbid. But it should be a huge warning sign to us. I don't want to wake up. Now look, I, we had some folks over yesterday for a party. Maggie was hanging out, swimming in the pool. I was walking in the grass, and I was like, oh, that's nice grass. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We live our lives. But guys, when we put us at the top of that, my satisfaction what I want out of everything, when I put me on top, man, I missed out. Because I'm going to wake up one day, I'm going to go, I did this all for me, and I'm going to die. And all that stuff is going to turn to garbage and not matter anymore. I don't want to wake up like that. See, someday that red firebird, the best thing that's going to happen to is some other collector is going to buy it. The worst thing that's going to happen is it's going to end up in a junkyard. And we do this with everything in life. I don't want to live a life where I wake up and wonder, what did I do? And why do I think that? Because of this. Here you sit. With an, think about this. With an invitation from the God of the universe 
who sent Jesus to invite you into the reality of new life. Yet my tendency and your tendency is to waste my very muchness on things that just don't matter. Again, listen to me. The God of the universe. I'm going to close with this. The God of the universe who sent Jesus to live and die for you has invited you to use your mayode mayode, your very muchness, all that comes your way, all your opportunities, all your possibilities, all of your resources, all of the brokenness of you, the story of your redemption and your resurrection and renewal to new life. He wants to use all of that. And we say, no, I'll use my very muchness for me, actually. What are we doing? And what if as people we looked at each other and said, what if we could take our mayod mayod, our very muchness, and come together as a community that said, let's make a huge difference and a huge impact. Let's partner in ways that we make an impact and a difference with our very muchness in a way that our mayod mayod becomes mayod 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 mayod. And then we walk away and people say, oh, that wasn't just good. That was mayod good. Because it came from the very muchness of God's blessing for each and every one of us. I think that's what it looks like to love God. Mayode, mayode. And that's why I think he uses this adverb. Because, man, I could stick that thing on anything. Oh, that's good. Man, but when I live out with all of God's goodness on that, this mayode good. See, this church, this church could be good, but because of Jesus, because of the belief in his life-giving power into our lives, it's mayode good. Man, Kurt's a good singer, don't get me wrong, but Kurt, mm-mm, because of Jesus, you are mayode good, my friend. You are mayode, mayode good. But it's Jesus. So guys, let me invite you. Let's not waste our very muchness but let's love God with the very muchness that he's given each and every one of us. With that, let's stand together and pray. God, we are so thankful for this prayer. <laughs> Recognizing, calling us to move this, this verse out of a frame on a wall and into our hearts. May we leave this space, this moment, this series today with the call, the command, the invitation to love you with all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all of our very muchness. God, whatever comes our way as a church over these next few weeks, over these next few months, whatever that looks like, may it be made mayode good because of who you are and what you have done within us. May we continue to rely on your strength and your power and your goodness and your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. May we be a place of welcome and invitation. May we be a place where there is so much joy that all of us walk out every day saying, man, that was mayode, mayode, mayode good. This is who we want to be and this is the kind of love that we want to have within our hearts. So may we love you with our very muchness. Amen.